book of Titus this morning, Titus chapter number 3, Titus chapter number 3, uh, last several services we've been in the book of Titus, we'll be there once again uh, this morning, Titus chapter uh, number 3, and I'm going to read the uh, first uh, half of the chapter uh, through verse number 8 this morning for our message, and look forward to what God has from us for us from His Word uh, this morning. Titus chapter number 3, and before I begin uh, reading, let me remind you, of course, this is in an uh, epistle of Paul. He writes this letter to uh, Titus, a, a son in the faith, uh, one he has commissioned to go to the island of Crete. And if you've been in any of our Bible studies recently, uh, you understand what uh, Titus was dealing with. And he gets to chapter number 3, and he's going to mention several things to him. Some we've already looked at in other services, but I want to uh, focus on a few verses this morning. In chapter number 3, beginning with verse number 1, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of our God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of the regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by His grace, He should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. This morning we're going to look, and we're going to look specifically at verses 4 uh, through 8 this morning, but I want you to look at verse number 8 again, the first uh, phrase of that verse I want to focus on to get us started this morning. Verse number 8, Paul writes to Titus and he says, this is a faithful saying. What is a faithful saying? All the prior things that he has said. And this morning, I want to focus on that and make that a title of my message this morning. I'm going to preach on that subject. This is a faithful saying. Father, I pray this morning that you would help us from your word. You would remind us of some very important truths of salvation today. Father, I pray that if there's one uncertain of their salvation, or they have some doubts about it, may today they get that settled. Father, I pray that what we hear today would strengthen our faith, would strengthen our walk with you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a faithful saying. What Paul is saying to Titus as he writes this letter of instruction to him, while under the, the influence of the Holy Spirit, he comes to verse number 8 and he says, this is a faithful saying. In other words, this is true. This has played out. This is uh, dependable. Titus, you can count on the things that I've just said. What I've just said, I want to remind you that it's true. And friend, there are some things in our life as a child of God that we need to be reminded that are true. And Maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior. I want to declare to you today that there are some things that you need to hear that are true. And I think we need to be reminded of these things over and over as Tim, uh, uh, Paul actually emphasizes to Titus. 
things that we need to hear constantly. Uh, but when it comes to these things in the Word of God, I want to remind us that this is a faithful saying. This is true. You can depend on this book. You can believe in this book. This book is 100% right and accurate. And Paul writes to that effect, and he reminds Titus. Why? Because we're reminded in chapter number 1, we're reminded of the Christian people and what was what their, their characteristics were and uh, what they was said about them and they confirmed and they were not the, the most easy people to get along with and all the things that he would do, there's something that Titus needed to keep his focus on and that which is true. And this morning, I want to use that, that phrase. This is a faithful saying. This is a true saying. This is something that you can depend on. And I want to mention four things that I see concerning a faithful saying and Verses 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8 this morning. Let me say number one, the first faithful saying I see, the first thing that we need to be reminded of today is this right here. Number, number one, God loves you. Look at me at verse number four. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared. After what? Paul reminds Titus in verse number three of what Titus used to be as an unsaved man. He reminds him of what everybody was as an unsaved man. But what came after that? After the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. Let me remind us all, and this is something that is true. This is something that you can depend on. This is something you and I need to be reminded of, is that God loves you. God loves all of us. You could be here this morning and say, I don't know anybody that loves me, or I wish people that I love loved me. Let me tell you something this morning. God loves you. In a, world, in a world filled with hate, God loves you. God's love is beyond what you and I can even compare it to. We, don't, we shouldn't compare God's love to man's love. Man's love must be compared to God's love, and it's a love that we can never rise to because God's love is perfect. God's love is unconditional. I can't think of the phrase, God loves you, without thinking of John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Maybe you look at your life today and you say, well, if God loved me, maybe he wouldn't have allowed this and this or some other uh, circumstance come into your life. Friend, what trumps all of that, and you don't know the mind of God, what, what trumps all of that is the fact that God loved you enough to send his Son to pay your sin debt. Well, as I look at the wording that... Paul writes to Titus. I wonder, as Paul was a scholarly man, and Paul knew the scriptures, and Paul was certainly directed by the Spirit of God as he writes these specific words, which God preserves for us on purpose, but after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior. Now, let me just stop right there, and I'll finish my point in just a second. Um, we, we've mentioned the love of God, and what is wonderful about the love of God is what it's directed towards. The love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. Paul knew the scriptures. Paul was a man directed by the Spirit of God. I don't know what was on Paul's mind when he wrote this to Titus, but I know what scripture came to my mind when I read verse number 4, thinking of the God loves you, and I read God's love toward man. I go, my mind goes to Luke chapter number 2 with the announcement of the Christ child. And I read from Luke chapter number 2 this morning. I'll not wait for you to turn there, but you can mark it down. I'll read verses 7 through 14. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. 
There were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Good tidings, good news, that is going to bring joy to all people. Verse 11 of Luke 2 says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. In Luke chapter, or Titus chapter 3 and verse number 4, but after that the kindness and love of God our Savior. Friend, there is but one Savior for man. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. No other, there is no other Savior whereby we can put our faith and our hope and our trust. But it's the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. As we continue reading in verse 12 of Luke 2, And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly... There's with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, verse 14 is where I want to get to, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. God did not just send his son to send his son. He sent his son because he loved you and I. He sent his son to show that love toward men. We know this because the scripture tells us this, but I think it's good for us to be reminded that if we never live, there'd be no reason for Christ to come to this earth. He came to this earth as a token of God's love for you and I. And it's dishonest, it is not true for a man to say, God does not love me or God does not love certain individuals. God loves you. He loves you enough that he showed his goodwill toward men. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so uh, this is a faithful saying. And we hear it often, and we as Christians, we say it often. And God loves you, and God loves everybody. We sing the children's songs, yes, Jesus loves me. And it's true, it's a faithful saying that you and I need to be reminded of. It's a faithful saying that this world needs to hear is that God loves you. Friend, when you're discouraged, God loves you. When you don't know what your next step's going to be, God loves you. When you've been disappointed by life, God loves you. When you've been betrayed by man, God loves you. This is a faithful saying. Friend, if we focus on the faithful sayings, we're going to be discouraged a lot less we're going to have the strength we need to continue on. Say, hey, I don't know what this world thinks about me, but I know this. God loves me. He loves me because he sent his son to die on the cross and pay for my sins. Maybe you're here this morning and say, well, that sounds good, Pastor Neil, but yeah, he may have come to die for you, but I don't know that he came to die for me. He died for all. He came for all men. So that all might be saved. If you're sitting here this morning, it's the first time you've heard this, I want you to pay close attention to not just what I'm saying now, but for the remainder of the message, because God loves you. He loves all of us. I don't go to church, He still loves you. If you're here this morning and you would say, I've never even put my faith and trust in Christ, He still loves you. God loves those who've rejected Him, God loves those who pretend that He doesn't exist. God loves you. This is a faithful saying. This is a, this is a true statement, number two. God has been merciful to you. you. Look at the first part of verse number five. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, 
But according to his mercy, he saved us. How many of you are saved on your way to heaven this morning? Do you know that your sins have been forgiven? God's been merciful to you. That's a true statement. That's a faithful saying. There's nobody in this room or nobody who's ever lived that can earn their way to heaven. There's nobody who deserves salvation, deserves forgiveness. Let me tell you what every one of us deserve. We deserve to pay our sin debt for all of eternity in that horrible place called hell. You know why we're not there today? God's been merciful to you. You know why we have hope? Because God's been merciful. Friend, I think there's things that we need to be reminded of and understanding that God has been merciful to us. And maybe you would look at life circumstances and say, well, I didn't see God's mercy there, friend. You need to keep your eyes and your focus on eternity and what you deserve in eternity. But what we have in Christ, the fact that God loved us enough in his mercy to send his son so that we might be saved. But it's important for us to be reminded of what is wrapped around God's mercy, what is part of God's mercy. In verse number 5, we see the words, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Man today is enamored with himself. And even as a Christian, you've got to be careful with the works that you do. Uh, yes, our Christian life should produce good works. There should be fruit. But works did not save you. Works cannot save any man. Matter of fact, Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6 reminds us, and all our righteousness as filthy rags. I've met some people who no doubt were probably good moral people and they hadn't mastered their pride because they were quick to tell you that they'd get to heaven because of how good they were. The Bible tells us no matter how good you've been, your righteousness, your righteousness, your good works, the best that ever could be in the presence of God are as filthy rags. Now, not just filthy rags from dusting around the house. These rags were the rags that would be used to wipe the open sores of the leper. Think about that just for a moment. The best that we could do in the sight of a holy God is that which would be discharged with the utmost care because of its filthiness. You sit here today, saved on your way to heaven, God's been merciful to you. Well, Pastor, I'm not, I, 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 I deserve more than what, what, what God has given me. Oh, you don't know how true that statement is. Probably not in the context that you're giving it, but we do deserve so much more than God has given us. That's the word mercy. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 reminds us, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Everybody who raised their hand just a moment ago for salvation, you know what, you didn't save you. See, Pastor, I know this, but isn't it good to be reminded? We didn't save ourselves. Which well, is a good reminder, too, that if you're sitting here and you're unsaved, no matter what you've done, there ain't nobody else here who saved themselves. God will save you. Why? Oh, because he loves you. God's been merciful to you. We're reminded not of works, lest any man should boast. We're reminded, verse number five, according to his mercy, he saved us. I, 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 like, I like that phrase. I don't know if you do this morning. 
according to His mercy. You know, everybody in this room is different. Everybody in this room would have a different view of mercy. Let's be honest this this morning. We're more merciful to people who are like us than who are not like us. We're more merciful to those who have found favor in our sight than those who have not found favor. Used as an illustration, we all, going through school, you all had teachers who had a different level of mercy. You've heard me testify, all of my school teachers, they had a level of mercy for the girls and a non-existent level of mercy for the boys. But it's always interesting when every school year starts and those kids go to the new teacher to find out where their level of mercy is, if you will. Parents and grandparents are not on the same page when it comes to mercy. Parents are like, I'm going to... Grandparents are like, oh, don't hurt the baby. Different level of mercy. That Bible does not say, your Bible does not say man's mercy. Sometimes, mercy is determined by the mood of the person administrating it. Boy, someone's going to go before the judge for sentencing. I hope he's in a good mood. I hope the person who appears before me doesn't anger him. I hope he got a good night's rest and didn't wake up on the other side of the bed. Sometimes it changes even within the person. In the person. But according to his mercy, whose mercy? God's mercy. That not getting what we deserve. Friend, I'll be the first to testify to you this morning. I, I, I don't, I'm not getting what I deserve. I deserve to pay for my sins the same way every man deserves to pay for their sins in that horrible place called hell. But I'm thankful for his mercy. According to his mercy, I've been saved because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful this morning because of his mercy? Oh, we need a revival amongst God's people. We go around, oh, I haven't got what I deserve. I deserve this and I deserve that. And life hasn't brought me what I deserve. Friend, we need to bring our focus down to what we do deserve. We, need to pay, we deserve to pay for our sins. But according to his mercy, we have salvation. This is true. God's been merciful to you. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I've never accepted that. God's been merciful to you in the fact that he's letting you hear this message today. You're going to have an opportunity to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Just as when I heard that, when you heard that, before you trusted Christ as your Savior, that was God's mercy in letting us even hear the message. But there's some true statements that we need to be reminded of we need to hear today in God has been merciful to you. No matter who you are, God's been merciful to you. But I see statement number three in the same verse of Scripture as we look at verse number five again. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. We said, first of all, God loves you. Aren't you glad that's true? We said God's been merciful to you. This is a faithful saying. This is a true saying. God's been merciful to you. Number three, salvation changes you. This is a true saying. This is the faithful saying. Salvation changes you. 
We see that we are changed by salvation by and through the work of the Holy Ghost. Paul writes in another passage of Scripture, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Aren't you glad that when Christ finds us in our sin and through salvation, we are changed? Salvation changes you. Perhaps you sit here this morning, never experiencing salvation, never choosing Christ, never putting your faith in His finished work on Calvary. Maybe you've never heard anything like this before. Let me tell you, say, well, I'm beyond hope. No salvation will change you. Hey, you want peace in your home? Let daddy get saved. It'll change him. Let mama get saved. It'll change her. Let the kids get saved. It'll change them. Salvation changes you by the work of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost brings conviction. Think back to when you trusted Christ as your Savior, the Holy, the Holy Spirit's who convicted you. Maybe it was in a service like this and you heard preaching similar to this. You say, I just feel uncomfortable. I don't know that. Well, it's the Holy Spirit of God making you feel uncomfortable. If you're, you're here this morning and there's just something that's not setting right and you just don't, you just don't know, uh, well, maybe, maybe I was and, and I was depending on something else, but that's the Spirit of God that convicts you. It's the Spirit of God when you trust Christ in that moment. He quickens you. The Bible says it makes you alive. Our spirit is dead in sins. But it's the Spirit of God that quickens us. In the book of Ephesians, we're reminded that we are sealed by the Spirit of God to the day of redemption. Once you're saved, you're always saved. Well, a few moments ago, I asked you to raise your hand if you knew for certain you're on your way to heaven. And all over the building, people, you raised your hand. Do you realize no matter when you got saved, you'll be saved for all of eternity? Because the Spirit of God seals you unto the day of redemption. You're in the hand of God and no man can pluck you out. For some to teach that you can lose your salvation, it is not in this Bible. That's a lie of the devil. But I want to tell you, I want to, I want to say to you this morning that salvation changes you by the work of the Holy Ghost. He dwells within you. The book of Romans, many places, but specifically in Romans chapter 8, it reminds us that the Spirit of God dwells within us. He is within us. Friend, if the Spirit of God convicts you, makes you alive, seals you, and dwells within you, that's a change. That is something that only God can do. Friend, I wish, I think of this often, I even say it sometimes when you have somebody who gets saved or comes into the church for the first time, you look around and you see how perfect everybody looks. Come back next week and you'll discover they're not. But let me tell you what happened. Salvation changes. Friend, if you need peace, let me tell you what will bring peace, salvation. You don't like the way you are, salvation will change you. You know what this world needs? We need political change. We need social change. No, we need the change that salvation brings. This is a true statement. This is a faithful saying, salvation changes you. We see the renewing, the regeneration. There's so much more I can say on that, but I don't have time. But let me just say it like this. When you got saved, you got a new captain, a new compass, and a new course. A new captain, it's wonderful. Say, well, I just don't feel like I'm as a child of God, you're not in charge. You say, oh, you're talking, I've seen those bumper stickers years go by. He's my, I'm the co, he's my co-pilot. No, that's wrong. 
Too many Christians are in the cockpit. No, he's in charge. Aren't you thankful he changed you? He gives you a new compass, a new direction, a new course. Let me encourage you, if you're saved this morning, follow his course. Let him lead you. Let him guide you. Salvation brings change. Salvation changes you. Number four, this is a faithful saying. We've mentioned that God loves you. God's been merciful to you. Salvation changes you. Aren't you thankful that salvation changes you? Number four, we see in verse number seven that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying that our future is secure. That being justified by his grace. What does that mean? Justified means to be pardoned and cleared from guilt. And to accept as righteous on account of the Savior. The application of Christ's work to the offender. This morning I'm justified, I've experienced His mercy, I've experienced His grace. If you're saved, as have you. We are justified because of the work of Christ and to be pardoned and cleared. And Because of that, what does it mean? It means, look in verse number 7, we should be made heirs. Heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Oh, we're heirs of eternal life. Can I tell you something? That life doesn't end when we draw our last breath. For the Christian, it's just beginning. It's because I'm a child of God. You know what I inherit? I inherit all he has to offer. You know what I inherit? I inherit eternal life. You know, it's wonderful to be forgiven. When you sin, you don't just sin in a vacuum. You sin against a holy God. Why do you think the devil has worked so hard through the many, many decades to convince men that they have no creator? They just happen. Man appeared. Because if we have no creator, we have no accountability. Friend, let me tell you something. We are created in the image of God, and we do have an accountability. And when we sin, we sin against our creator. We sin against the holy God. But because of Christ, as we... See, in verse number 6, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Because of Christ, because of his mercy, because of the fact number one is a faithful statement, is a faithful saying, God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Salvation comes... First, because of the love of God. Second, because he's been merciful to us. We haven't gotten what we deserve. He sent his son so that we might, he could pay that sin debt so that we might be saved. It's through Christ, it's through faith in him. Salvation makes the change, and because of that, our future is secure. Oftentimes, if I can backtrack just a little, oftentimes people get saved and they go to work and people look at them a little differently. Go back to their, hang out with their friends or their family, and they look at them and say, what's happened to you? There's a change. And we should continue to conform to our Savior. But because of that change, our future is secure. Friend, I'm not worried. I'm, 
I'm interested in what takes place in this world, but I'm not worried about it because I have eternal life. That, that's what I'm receiving. Say, Pastor, do you really think that you're going to live forever? Uh, not, not with this old corruptible flesh, but with incorruptible. So how are you going to do that? I'm getting it from my Heavenly Father because I'm His heir through Christ. Well, we are heirs of eternal life. You know, we need to be, some Christians need to be, from the looks on their face, from the despair, from the unhappiness, the lack of joy in their life, they need to be reminded, you know you're going to live forever. You know this isn't all there is to it. Lord, give us our three score and ten, and on top of that, and then there's an eternity waiting for us. There's forever waiting for us. We inherit eternal life. Do we deserve that? Do we deserve those streets of gold? Do we deserve all those things? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. This is mercy because God's been merciful to us. Friend, if you're here this morning and you say, I, I don't know if my future is secure, it may not be secure. It's going to be secure one way or another because you have eternal life or you have eternal condemnation. What a sad thing when somebody rejects the love of God, rejects his mercy, rejects the change, rejects eternal life. God loves every man and offers every man his love. God's been merciful to every man. Salvation will change any man. And God will give eternal life to the future of anybody who through Christ receive salvation. How tragic to reject what is true. As Paul writes to Titus and he reminds him of these faithful sayings, I want us to look at verse number 8 again. This is a faithful saying. These are things that are true. Friend, don't ever forget that God loves you. Don't ever forget that God's been merciful to you. Don't ever say, well, I was saved when I was a child. I didn't change a whole lot. He changed you from what you could have been, what he saved you from what you could have experienced. You were changed. I was, I was, I was two months shy of my fifth birthday when I, when I knew I was lost on my way to, way to hell, and I got, came under the conviction of the Spirit of God, and I trusted Christ as my Savior. You say, children can get saved. Absolutely, they can get saved. Don't tell me children can't get saved. Don't insult me about being saved. I know I got saved. Say, what happened all that? I was saved as a child, but I was saved at a church nursery. You could say it like that. But my sins would send me to hell just like the drunkards. But as he writes of this faithful saying, I can't help but think of what he reminds me in verse number three. We touched on this this last Wednesday night. He says in verse, he reminds Titus in verse number two, if you think about the Wednesday night, we, we spent some time on this. He says, you need to treat all men with meekness. Preach, on the, preach the truth, hold the truth, don't back down on the truth. You need to be reminded there's one way to heaven, it's through Christ. But you need to have some meekness about you because you need to be reminded you were just like they were before you got saved. Before you got saved, we were Foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers or many lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Hey, friend, don't get, this, this world is full of hate. It's hateful. 
Why is that? Because they've never accepted the love of God. Because they're unsaved. It's good for every Christian to be reminded right now what you were without salvation. I'm thankful that we get removed from what we were. And the Spirit of God that dwells within us makes changes in us. I'm thankful for that. But there's a danger for us the further we get removed from our own salvation. We have a tendency sometimes to get puffed up in who we are and what we are. We need to be reminded. And we look down at a world that doesn't have Christ. We need to be reminded of what we were before our salvation. We also this morning, maybe you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. There's no need to remember what you are. You need to be reminded of what, be reminded of what you were. You need to be reminded of what you are. Hey, Pastor, you know that sounds harsh. It is the truth of what all men are without Christ. Have you been deceived to think that you can work your way to heaven, that you can be good enough? Have you been deceived to think that this is all there is to life and we just live it to the fullest and whatever happens, happens? No, there is an eternity and it's heaven or hell. And there's some things that are faithful sayings and true. One of them is God loves you and, and he's been merciful to you and salvation will change you. You can have eternal life that comes through forgiveness of accepting Christ's payment for our sins. But you must accept Christ's payment as our sins. You must put your faith in that. Because without it, you are what Paul reminds Titus we all were without Christ. So this morning, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I hope this morning that you've heard the message that God loves you. So I know you've, you've said that 25 times. Let me say it one more time. God loves you. It's simple. We say it all the time. But are there, are there three greater words that have ever been spoken than God loves you? God loves you. God's been merciful to you. Well, I want you to know this morning that salvation can change you. It can change your eternity, but it can change you. It will change you. We've been changed through salvation. And with that change comes a future that's secure. Heirs of eternal life. It's a wonderful thing to know that God has forgiven you for your sins. Well, I mean, look around the building this morning. This is a great group of people, isn't it? Best people in the world. Doesn't give you much hope for the world, does it? But this is the best people in the world. Great Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, our church family. We care for one another. We help one another. We're there for one another. But you know we all are nothing but a bunch of sinners saved by grace. And salvation has made the change in us. I'm thankful to be forgiven for my sins. Well, it's a heavy burden to carry all of your sins around with you every day. So if you know, the devil is good at reminding us what we've done, where we failed. We fail every day. But it's wonderful to know when I lay my head on my pillow at night that if I die, I'm not dying in my sins. They've been forgiven. I read the promises of heaven and I read of the streets of gold and all the things, reunion with loved ones and all those things. It's eternal life. It's forever. 
How long is forever? Well, it's forever. Well, how long is that? You know, forever. There's no way to really summarize it and describe it any more than that in the English language. The days will never expire. The sun will never set. I mean, time will, there is no time because there's eternity. That is what we receive as an heir of eternal life. So this morning, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, what would you listen to the Spirit of God this morning? Would you put your faith and trust in Him? And in a few moments, you'll have an opportunity to let somebody show you from the Bible how you can be saved. But I also want to do what, if I, if I can in some way, what Paul does in verse number 8. When he admonishes Titus, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly. Can we just affirm it one more time in what we have in our salvation? God loves you. God loves you. He's been merciful to you. But I, I'm, just, I'm just discouraged. I'm just I'm disgruntled. Friend, God loves you. He's been merciful to you. We can live in a world where we want to look at this world and see everything that's going on, and we get disgusted by things of this world. Uh, let, me, let us be, all be reminded that salvation has made the change in us. We haven't made the change in ourselves. The Bible tells us very clearly we cannot make that change in ourselves. May we be reminded that we have eternal life as our inheritance. Say, well, my earthly father, he doesn't have much to leave me. But your heavenly father leaving you everything. Eternal life. That's a pretty good inheritance. All this world feels sorry for the Christian, feels sorry for the child of God, all the things they're missing out on. Oh, friend, as sincerely as I can say this, with a broken heart and a tear in my eye, it's not the Christian who's missing out. It's the one who's never put their faith and trust in Christ and realized that God has loved them, He's been merciful to them. They can have a change in salvation, but it must come through Christ. Because I'm not missing out on the things of this world as the lost man is missing out on eternal life. My inheritance is after this natural life, not in it. Friend, this morning, if you need Christ, trust Christ as your Savior. If you're saved this morning, Paul writes to Timothy, so there's some things you need to affirm constantly. This is a faithful saying. It's true. I'll summarize like this, and we'll close in prayer. There's a lot of things in this world you look at and say, that's fake news. They're, they got an agenda. This is a faithful saying. God loves you. He's been merciful to you. Salvation has changed you. Eternal life is your inheritance. Father, I pray this morning that we'll be...